Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 287 of The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, here as always with Sarah Powers. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, Megan. How are you? I'm good, and I'm really excited for our topic today because not only are we talking about um, holiday shopping and just shopping in general, but during the holiday season, Mm -hmm. but we're talking about mindful shopping, which I think is something that we have touched on a lot, but never really dug fully into, especially in the era we are living in now Mm -hmm. where things have gotten a little different. Yeah. And things have changed. I mean, I, my, the way I think about shopping intentionally or shopping mindfully, I think it's evolved over like the last 10 years, but I think it's really, it's been something I've thought a lot about in the last year. Yeah. Agreed. Also, I think that there are other factors at play this year. So we're all, we're all kind of going to be shopping. I'm going to guess more from home. Um, Our budgets may look very different from the way they looked last year. And Combined with those two things, there's an even bigger need than ever for us to support local and small businesses, whether in our area or not. But like the ways we would have once done that maybe are changing or not as accessible. So like there's just a lot of factors that are different this year. Um, And this is definitely the time when that's on my mind, because I think most of us do more shopping in the next six weeks than we do all year round in some cases. I I think you're right. I think everything that we've relied upon on the past um, just like so many things with COVID, this is perhaps an opportunity to try some try something new or to um, look at this almost as a clean slate. Um, yeah. I know we're going to get into this, but it's easy to feel overwhelmed when you want to, you know, quote unquote, shop well or use your, you know, use your dollars toward good. Um, but that can be really overwhelming, and we're going to dig into that. But I think if you've if you've never thought about it that way, or you've been intimidated to start, why not this year? Because everything's going to be different anyway, I guess is my point. Exactly. And I love that the the working title, at least right now, is a judgment-free conversation about shopping more mindfully. And I love that because, you know, there's calculus to all this. So none of us have an unlimited budget. Let's just start with that. Um, yeah. 
No. So if you buy local or small in one category or for one person or one gift or whatever, or one event, it's very possible that you won't have the budget left to do the same in another category or area. And that's just the economic reality that we live in right now. We are really like our economy is built around big box stores and mass production being a Mm -hmm. big part of what drives it. So it's really difficult for the average person to actually be able to thwart that for every purchase or every Mm -hmm. category of purchases. So we recognize that everyone's working with the funds that they have, the availability that they have, which in your area might not be a lot, or, you know, there might be other reasons you just don't have access to some of that. Um, And I just want to emphasize that like anytime you support a local business or a small business or an indie business, it does make a difference. It doesn't have to be every time, like anytime is good. It doesn't have to be every time. And also that we know there's a trade-off. And this is just kind of ironic to me, but just this morning before we started recording this episode, I had decided I wanted to replace Will's bed and mattress because he's so tall that his legs, like ha- <laughs> like his feet hang off the end of his bed. So I really wanted it and I, and I wanted it at this right price. And I ended up ordering it online um, for lots of reasons. One of them being, I just don't have the wherewithal right now to go shop in a you know, mattress store and then have something delivered in two or three weeks. And also I didn't want to pay those prices. And I thought, well, gosh, if I spend a thousand dollars on a mattress, which is kind of about average when you're in like a store like that, then that's like, you know, 800 less (laughs) than I Mm have, that I have to spend mindfully at at Christmas, which is coming up. So it was kind of like I had to do this trade-off. And so it was a little weird for me to be thinking about shopping locally and then not go to a local store to buy this big mm-hmm. purchase. But it was kind of like this one big purchase or lots of little ones in the future. And I know we're going to dig into how that calculus looks different for all of us. Um, but it was just kind of a funny example of me having to, in that moment, make a choice that felt right for future choices. Yes, I totally know what you mean. And I think um, I love that we're calling this a judgment-free conversation because, or a no judgment conversation, because first of all, that's what we try to do here in every episode. But anytime we're talking about things like this, and I would include like making environmental decisions for your home products or even what you feed your family. Um, there's like, sometimes I think we get afraid of shame or judgment if we're not doing it right or if we're not doing it all the way. And actually that can prevent having conversations about just doing incrementally better. So I love what you're saying about it doesn't have to be the holiday where everything is handmade, indie bought, women-owned business, locally sourced. Um, right. But if we can make incremental choices or if we can normalize uh, normalize the thought process that goes into our purchasing, I think that could be a really helpful conversation for moms. Because I know for me, um, it has been overwhelming. So yeah. Well, in terms of today's episode, we're going to have fun. The first half of the episode is kind of just going to be more of this general conversation about how we think about our shopping choices, how they've evolved, and maybe what we want to continue to do a little more or better this holiday season. Um, and then later on in the show, I've, I'm just excited to show you some purchases I've made in the last year or so, Megan, that I consider to be small business, handmade, yeah, um, indie businesses. That. And then you can just kind of ask me questions. And it's not a gift guide per se, because I don't expect others to go out and buy these exact products. But I think, at least for me, it's really helpful to see examples of what other people are purchasing when they're trying to turn towards smaller businesses or locally owned businesses, et cetera. So we'll, we'll, I guess we'll play a little case study with some of my purchases from the last year. So this will be fun. Um, but before that, we thought it would be extra fun to look at how our personalities 
kind of influence the way we shop. So those of you who've listened for a long time know that we both enjoy a little Enneagram discussion now and then. If you're not familiar with the Enneagram, I'll link up past episodes where we've talked about it. But um, Megan, I'm just curious how your Enneagram number kind of reveals itself in how you shop. And obviously you'll want to tell everybody what your number is. Sure. Well, um, I also want to point out that I thought it was interesting that we both appear to be overthinkers when it comes to gifts, Mm -hmm. even though we have different Enneagram numbers, which I think is funny. And also earlier when I was talking about that calculus, I think that the calculus your brain does to help you arrive at the way that you shop um, could be different based on your personality. So we're not all Mm -hmm. even working with the same like arithmetic, right? We're like, we all have a different form of how we're coming to these, um, these decisions. So I am a two and the Enneagram is essentially like a personality test. So there's, it's based on nine numbers and I'm a two and twos are givers and nurturers. Um, and honestly, probably in my life, nowhere else does this present for me as much as it does like over the holidays in general, not Mm -hmm. just gift giving, but like you know, everything about holidays, about how I create a holiday experience for other people and, and all of that. My tunis comes out in like mm-hmm. full force um, during this time of year. But I think a lot about the impact my shopping has. And, and the funny thing is, I think about it equally, the people that I'm shopping for and the people I'm shopping from that I'm buying from. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those two things can be a little bit in conflict. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, but when it comes to the people that I'm buying from, like, I think about the people who own the businesses I'm buying from, I think about the people who own the businesses I'm not buying from. Uh Um, it's harder if they're people I know personally or who live in my community. And by harder, I just mean, I feel more, um, I just feel more not obligated is the wrong word. I I feel more driven to think of them Mm -hmm. and try to figure out ways to support those businesses. And then sometimes I even get caught up in like this comparative positive impact of like, if I bought from this person, this business versus that one, like I could buy from someone locally whom I know, or I could buy from a small business where I don't know anybody, but I think they're a great business. Or I could buy from a fair trade company that's like, that specifically is supporting like women in developing nations. Or sometimes I'll be like, well, don't the people that work in that big factory in China, like they need money too. So (laughs) I can really, like my tunis can really start to spin on this stuff. And it can be really hard to like, kind of zero in on where, where do I feel my dollar will both be best used or most needed and get me the thing I need or want for this other person. Mm -hmm. Um, which is where I lead to the other obsession, which is like really thinking about the value of a gift in someone's life. Um, I really want gifts to be meaningful. I want them to be personal. I really dislike rote giving. I hate obligatory gift, gift giving. I don't do that. So I will Mm -hmm. spend like so much time looking for the exact perfect gift for one person that I want to show a little extra love to. Or sometimes I just get inspired and think they would love Mm -hmm. this thing. And then I go on this like mad, you know, journey to find it. And then I use up all my time and energy and I don't have any time to put into balancing things out for the other people. So I'm actually really grateful that my siblings and friends and I really don't do like rote gift giving. There's no Mm -hmm. expectation Um, sometimes I'll give someone like an amazing gift and then nothing for three or four years. So not having that expectation of each other, I feel like allows me to shop the way I like to shop, which may not be the same for all of them, unfortunately, (laughs) because I get the feeling sometimes there are people who would really rather just make the same list every year and check it off equally. And that's just like, so that's just so not me, but I might see like this amazing thing at a fair trade shop or on Etsy, or just have this idea for a great gift and do it. And then I don't feel like I have to repeat it every year. 
Or like, now that I've done this amazing thing for my brother, I have to put in the same amount of time for my other brother and my sister. You know, like, I'll get around to them eventually. Yeah. You know, on top of that, I think a lot about creating a nurturing experience over the holiday, which doesn't necessarily mean gifts, but like food and music. And often those things are tied into buying opportunities um, that you can overthink, right? So like, let's pretend Mm -hmm. I'm making a treat for my boyfriend. He eats keto and mostly organic. So then am I obligated to use organic ingredients and avoid sugar, even if that's not the way I would have baked if it wasn't for that? Or like Mm -hmm. if I'm making a cookie plate, should I work to find out whether my friend likes chocolate or sugar cookies before I decide what I'm going to make? So sometimes just worrying about that kind of stuff can take some of the spontaneous joy out of making Mm -hmm. it and also leads to like other purchasing decisions I may not have made. So it's very complex for me. My tunis is in overdrive right now. What about you? Okay, so that was all fascinating. And I agree, there is there are some similar things in how my oneness presents. But one big difference is twos are known for setting aside their own needs, sometimes to the point of um, it building up and then becoming either resentful or grumpy later. And ones, I don't think do that as much. Um, so where there might feel like there are some similarities, when I was hearing you talk, I was, I was like that little, that little red flag of like, oh, but where's Megan's enjoyment in the shopping here? Or like, right. what's the easiest thing for Megan <laughs> right. to do? Um, and whereas I don't have as much trouble prioritizing that, but I have other hangups and let's dig in. I, I cannot wait. Yay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There is a lot of oneness in my shopping. First and foremost, ones like our systems and our strategies and our procedures, and we can sometimes resist change. So if we are going to make a change, like say starting to shop more locally or from more small businesses or COVID's changed the way that we usually shop, we can sometimes get real focused on doing it the right way or the best way, which, you know, anybody who has that kind of mind knows it can lead to a lot of hand wringing or decision paralysis and just kind of unnecessary overthinking. Um, But part of that is because we like to do things like the right way or the best way or the most efficient way or the most productive way or the most cost-saving way, but whatever it is we want, we want the right answer. Um, And so that's why we don't change for a long time. And then when we do, it can be difficult. Um, Ones can also be more black and white thinkers, um, which for me can really lead to kind of all or nothing thinking. And I know we touched on this earlier, but Um, I don't think shopping small and local and shopping, you know, ethically sourced, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be like you, you do it all the one best way or not at all, but I am, I'm easily drawn into that type of thinking. So I have to kind of challenge that for myself. Otherwise it will lead to me doing nothing and making no little incremental changes, which is not, not right either. Um, ones really like equity and fairness. And I admit to sometimes getting stuck, not knowing like, which lane to pick, like, which is the, um, almost like the morally, the moral highest ground of my purchasing power, which is like, just again, way too much overthinking. But when you were talking about your two-ness and wanting to take care of all the potential groups, right? Like down to the factory workers in China, right. as well as the small business, yours yeah. is coming out in this nurturing, um, caretaker sense. And mine's coming out as in like, I want to know which is the most effective, sort of use of my, of my shopping dollars, um, or who needs it the most? Like what's the, what's the fairest, um, representation of wanting to shop smaller shop local. So I I think that was interesting is that our behavior may be the same, but it maybe comes from a different place. Um, and then a big one for ones is we 
often spend a lot of time trying to avoid criticism or being very critical of ourselves, sometimes of others. Um, And what I have found is I also have a thing of, I never want to be perceived as hypocritical or like I'm holier than thou or that I might be judging other people. So for example, if I, you know, get on this podcast or get on Instagram and talk about shopping small, supporting my local businesses in my town, and then I make mention of a Target run or a Starbucks run, I can spend a lot of mental energy feeling like it somehow doesn't count or that I've been hypocritical or mm-hmm. that others will see me as like talking out of both sides of my mouth. And I, I don't know if that's a one thing or a Sarah thing, um, but it's definitely in the past held me back from just sharing authentically like, oh, I found this really, you know, I'm, I'm into um, fair trade coffee right now and talking about that. And then thinking, yeah, but what if like, what if my other purchases aren't fair trade? Or there's probably some other category that I'm totally a hypocrite about this. And so, yeah, we can um, we can run around in circles trying to make sure that we're morally correct or that we're somehow free from that kind of criticism. So, well, it's a lot. And I think that also um, if we've experienced a lot of kind of what comes off as sort of holier than thou enthusiasm about these issues from other people, it's easy to wonder if we're putting that out too, even if we're literally just talking about something we like, like, oh my gosh, I felt so good that I shopped at the store and supported this business that I appreciate. And I got this great purse or whatever. Right. Right. That's not the same thing as saying like, everybody should do that because how would you like, how could you dare buy a mass produced object and da da da. Um, But sometimes it's easy to mentally get those two things tangled up. Yes. And to think maybe you sound like you're doing the you know, the second one when you really just want to do the first one. So exactly. I think that's exactly. pretty common, but your oneness definitely makes it come out in a different way. Yeah. Anyway, so interesting. Um, again, for those are, who are huge Enneagram fans, we'll link up some of our past personality discussions in the show notes, but thought it would be a fun way to start today. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. 
It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. So let's make sure we all kind of know what we're talking about here. And I just made a big list of terms in our show outline because I think it is it illustrates how overwhelming this can get if we want to be shopping more mindfully. We've got obviously small businesses. We've got women-owned businesses and black-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. We've got local businesses and each of us obviously is in a different locality. Then there's things like handmade and craftsmen and artisan, you know, artisan. Then there's things like ethically made, ethically sourced and fair trade. Um, I haven't even gotten into the thing where businesses donate a portion of their profits back into a cause. Or sometimes um, there's the thing where like larger corporations are supportive of something that you think is really important. You know, I'm thinking when Target came out in support of breastfeeding moms and said moms who can breastfeed anywhere in our store. And we were all like, yay, Target, yay, you know, yes. and so sometimes <laughs> even the even the big box stores um, sort of catch our attention in a way that we either do or maybe do not wish to support them. So that's a lot. And I, I probably even missed some on the list. I'm sure you did. It's really overwhelming. and. Um, and I think the I think the last two things you talked about um, were the donations of profits or a portion of profits and the vocal support. I believe those are both just referred to as cause marketing, although I could be wrong about that. Okay. Um, but even cause marketing can get really tricky because then you'll have a whole nother contingent that will come out and say like, oh, like we don't know where the money's actually going. And this is just like greenwashing or this is just this or that, you know? So it's like everyone's got so many opinions about this stuff. And the way I kind of feel about those, and I know we're going to get into more of these, um, more of like the how we personally shop. But with those, it's kind of like if I was going to be shopping at Target anyway, I'm going to feel good about the fact that I'm shopping at Target right now while they're in support of breastfeeding moms. But it probably wouldn't have made me drive across town to go to a Target if I didn't already like and appreciate Mm -hmm. the experience of shopping at Target. And maybe that's an important thing to come back to. Like all of the shopping in every single one of these categories should feel good to you and not like, a huge departure from what you otherwise want to do. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like that's like a, what that's like a good starting ground, right? Like where do you want to shop? Where do you think the products are quality and something you want to use or give away? Like, where do you, are the prices, they don't have to be Amazon prices because we know that that's unrealistic and, and no local company can match that, but are they fair? Like, are they within your budget? Like there's so many places to start. Um, and I think you can start kind of selfishly. And just say, yes. am I spending this just because they're saying they're going to give 15% to this cause? Or do I want to spend this money on this thing? I totally agree. And I think a lot of this is just an awareness, bringing an awareness to the different options we have. And I think in this COVID winter we're going into, the awareness is right in front of us. There are businesses yeah. closing in my town all over the place, like windows like shuttered, the boutiques that are not there anymore. So 
bringing that awareness and understanding that no one purchase is going to save that business or is going to, you know, keep a big box chain that you don't care about as much afloat. But each of these micro decisions kind of reflects, you know, just just bringing that awareness to light as a purchaser. And this is also a good time to say when my kids were really tiny, I didn't have the headspace for this. I have more I have more headspace right now to think about this. So if you're in a time of life where subscribe and save Amazon is getting you through and that's going to be how the holidays happen, this is a no shame, no judgment conversation. But I think what we want to do is play, play around with these ideas um, of, like you said, Megan, how can I fit this into my natural purchasing, especially this year when businesses and families are hurting? So, yeah. With that, maybe do we want to share some ways, since it is so overwhelming to do it all, what uh, what are the things that speak to you personally or that maybe feels like a good place for you to start? Well, it's it's worth noting that um, there are maybe, just because of the place I live, small town, basically retail desert, um, there really are only maybe two to three retail shops or restaurant chains, like total two to three that I ever visit around here. There just aren't that many. So almost any time that I shop or eat locally, like as in within a five to 10 minute drive of my house, that automatically means I'm shopping small. I don't have to make that delineation. So like, it's actually harder for me to shop local to my home and not shop small than Mm -hmm. it would be, if that makes sense. It's easier for me to get online and and shop um, big if that's the way I was going to do it, but it does simplify things a bit. So because I've lived here for 12 years now, I've sort of naturally been gravitating toward this sort of mix of small and local and ethical, the way I consider ethical, that just kind of works its way into my natural shopping rhythm. So I do a mix of local to support the small business community in my area of the people that I actually know, and then ethical and fair trade, which actually can be local as well, because we have a couple of fair trade shops. um, And they mostly have stuff like jewelry and accessories and leather goods and soaps and personal care, and maybe like a really small selection of clothing. But it is nice to know that like I can easily put a portion of my dollar, like my budget toward that. Um, I do get overwhelmed buying a lot of handmade and maker stuff online. Um, And so this feels like it feels like going local to these like two or three shops. It's just an easier way for me to kind of cover a couple different categories at once rather than trying to spread it out too much. But I know you're better at that, Sarah, and are going to talk about that maker stuff and how you've been able to do that on Etsy. and I'm looking forward to learning from that because it does feel like something that's hard. I just don't know where to get started most of the time. Now, how are your boutiques going to be this winter? Do you think, will you, will they, will you be able to like call ahead or just pop in with a mask? Like, how is that going to work? So last year, um, I, well, it's kind of hard to say how things will be this year. Last year, everybody basically shut down and I will say a few, well, all the stores stayed open for curbside and delivery, but there was a huge range of how well people implemented it. And some just didn't. I mean, like some places basically was like, we, we can't do it. Like if you call us and tell us what book you want, we'll look it up in our system. We'll buy it. And in two weeks you can come pick it up on our curb like that. It just wasn't, you would have to think really, really hard to shop that way. And I'm hoping that, you know, the three to six months, um, kind of downtime that they had, depending on when they closed and opened back up, maybe gave them some time to think about how they would handle this holiday season. I really hope that they weren't too optimistic um, that COVID would just be gone like you and I and some other people might have been back then and had a plan because ideally they would all now have um, fairly robust um, e-commerce or some really simplified way to call 
and or get in touch with them online and order and then just go pick it up. Um, shopping did start happening here again. I, I want to say like shops were open for a fir- the first week or two after restaurants closed and then shops closed and then everything was closed to in-person shopping for at least, gosh, two months. It was a long mm-hmm. time. So it would be really bad if that happened again now. So <laughs> I hope it doesn't. Um, but if I could get in a habit where I can just order online or call and pick something up, I mean, that's my preference. If, if it works that way, some stuff doesn't really lend itself to shopping like that. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Because like something like smelling up soap or yeah. like looking at a pair of earrings, it's really hard to do that in kind of a generalized e-commerce way, unless they have a really good system set up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope that shops can stay open too. I was curious because also your weather is so different from ours that I just didn't know how much people would be going out to shops, but I hope it works. Yeah. Well, and the weather won't make it really different because we're, we're used to that. I think it'll be more like how covid is it around here? You yeah. Know? Yeah. How many people in your home are quarantined? Because right now that's becoming a thing. Like, mm-hmm. Like I know personally of three households where someone in the house is quarantined. So that's, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so for me, I do love browsing Etsy and Minted and probably some other kind of online marketplaces. Those are the main two that I do um, for kind of artsy stuff, maker stuff. And we'll talk about some specific purchases later in the show. Um, but it's so funny when you were talking about how you can't step out your door without shopping local. Cause that's really all there is. Um, the area I moved from in orange County was the exact inverse of that, which is I couldn't step out my door without big box and chain, both, um, in terms of retail, like, um, clothing and home goods and also restaurants. It was actually very hard in the part of orange County where I lived to find, um, indie shops and boutiques and mm-hmm. mom and pop restaurants. It just was barely there at all. Um, Santa Barbara is different. Um, it's a nice mix here. We have some chains, especially in clothing, clothing and that kind of retail. We have a lot of mall stores, um, but we have a lot of tons of restaurants that are in, independently owned and coffee shops that are independently owned. And then also gifty boutiques and stuff like that. So it does feel very different here. And I am motivated to support local, but I do feel like I kind of had this groove of shopping online for smaller maker made stuff um, already because I was in the opposite kind of place that you were um, before this. So, yeah. Um, well, what are some things that you already do in your real life? And you've mentioned some um, that you can for sure continue through this holiday season. Um, and I can go first on this. So we are already doing a local CSA box for our produce. Um, it's weekly now. I was doing every other week. Now it's weekly. And, um, I'm really going to try to make that my primary produce for this winter. And then everything at the grocery store, the Trader Joe's almost be just to supplement for a recipe or things like that. In the past, it was almost the reverse. Like my regular produce shopping happened at the grocery store. And then the CSA was like, Oh, fun. We got this. Um, but I, I really, now that we're in the groove with it, I kind of want to prioritize using that CSA box for our main produce and just buy bananas and some things that they don't, you know, they don't ever because they're not seasonal and local. Um, I have been really good or um, really committed to shopping local bookstores. So we have a great local bookstore called Chaucer's that I just, I order online and I pick it up or I call them. Um, And so that's the only place I've bought books since we moved here. But also bookshop.org is, if you're not familiar, it is a marketplace of indie bookstores. So you are placing an online order and your order supports indie bookstores 
everywhere, kind of. Um, so if you don't have a great indie bookstore that you have a personal relationship with, I think that's a great alternative um, and just an easy switch because it's still online ordering. You'll still find every book that you'd want, um, but you know that those dollars are going to indie bookstores. So that's a good one. And I was doing that before we moved. Um, and then another thing I've tried to do lately is if I receive a gift or come across a cool company that someone has, someone else has purchased, I just try to make a mental note um, to, th- to look that up the next time I'm purchasing a gift. So we got a little candy basket from a company called Candy Wish. Um, and it was really cute. We got to go online and pick our, pick our candy selections. And then they were shipped in this cute box. And um, anytime that something feels a little unique or special, I just try to remember that for when, when I need to purchase yeah. a gift next time. So. I like that. I was thinking about how many of the things that I'm already doing could, could be modified for COVID time, like for, for COVID ramp up times. Right. So over the summer, Claire and I started going on a weekly, like when they opened the library back up, um, we started going on a weekly date, uh, where we would go to the library. Um, after that we'd go get like cocoa or something. And then there's this little store next to the bookstore. So sometimes we pop in if we didn't find exactly what we wanted at the library, sometimes we'd pop into the bookstore and, and get a book, but we didn't do that every time. That gets very expensive. But there's this little store next to it that has like little, like little baskets full of just little trinkets and stuff. And so the first time Clara and I went and got, you know, we each got our books. We got our cocoa. Um, actually, she got ice cream. I got cocoa. We got, um, I think we each got a book and then she got like a little glass animal, like those little tiny figurines mm-hmm. they've had forever, yeah. you know, like they're yes. collectibles. And she said, well, this was just the best day of my life. And I realized how for kids right now, like they really need experiences that aren't the same, you know, same, same that they've had for the like, just looking at us or if they're not going to school or whatever. So we've kept that up. And I was thinking, okay, so how could I do that if the library shuts down again, if I don't feel comfortable going in stores or if they're not open? So we could go, like we could sit down together, um, put a hole on books at the library because they even when the library was closed, they still it was still possible to pick up books um, on hold. You just I don't know how you did it, but they did have that possibility. Yeah. Uh, we could get Coco to go. Mm-hmm. We could take it home. Like maybe there's some other way for us to put together sort of that same date. And it'll just take a lot more work. But that, you know, that's COVID for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that did happen since since um, basically since meat prices started to go up, like there was a big shift in meat prices, maybe in like April or May. And I started going to a, a meat like a like a local grass fed, locally grown meat market um, nearby. So it's not their farms, but they source from local farms mm-hmm. and their prices actually then became competitive. So before that, you would those prices were higher. But because they didn't have the supply chain issues that other places had where ground beef suddenly went through the roof, um, I could go there. And and then I found it kind of evened out. Like some of the stuff was more expensive. Some was a lot less expensive and it evened out. And I really liked supporting them. So however we have to continue that, we will. It might be, again, putting an order in ahead of time. Now that I've been there enough, I know what they have and I could pretty easily do that. Um, there's a local outdoorsy store called Wanderlust that I love and I know the owners and I like that they do a really good job and they don't. You don't have to be shopping for like camping gear. They have casual clothes. They have gloves and hats, um, you know, rain jackets and parkas and they'll make and they'll help you over the phone. So um, when things first closed down, I really needed a rain jacket and nothing was open. But I knew they were they were posting on Facebook that they were still in their store fulfilling their online purchases. And so I called and said, I need a rain jacket. and I want it to fit like this. And I want it to, you know via this material and da, da, da. And they talked me through the whole purchase. And then we just did it over the phone. And then they came out and put it in my back seat. 
So it was like that, you know, so many businesses are willing to go the extra mile. Yeah. And I feel like I can also go the extra mile by calling them and talking through a purchase instead of just clicking around online. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't do a good job of this year that I want to do better is to like, as we kind of retreat more and more indoors, um, I want to identify two or three restaurants that I want to reward for how they've handled COVID. Like some has done such a good job and I really want them to stay open, but I've gotten kind of lazy and random about the way I eat out. And mostly right now, if I do eat out, I stay close to home and I avoid crowds. That's all. Those are my two criteria and that's great. And it's been necessary but then that means there are businesses I really care about that have dropped off my radar. And so I want to like get back to where I used to be really mindful about supporting local restaurants. Um, and I know that if I think about it, I could continue to support them without having to go in, like just making a point of going and getting a growler from a brewery that I, or a cider place that I like or whatever. And, and not having it just be like, where can I, you know, get the most yeah. calories in my body for the Fastest. least amount of effort. Fastest. Yeah. And that also means um, looking beyond like DoorDash and Uber Eats, which are the easiest way to do it. But I have talked to so many restaurant owners who are who have told me how terrible it is for their business. Like they don't make any money on those on those purchases. It's easy. and I get why people do it. But most restaurants now have figured out a way to make delivery possible without using one of those without using one of those um, services. And if they've gone the extra mile to figure that out for themselves, I know there's a reason. And so I'd like to support that. Uh, and then finally, uh, my yoga studio. So I have still been going for the last couple of months. It's masked. It's distanced. Um, masked yoga is interesting, but I've made it work. Mm -hmm. But there's a very good chance that that's not going to be an option for very much longer. So they've also been doing a really good job with their virtual options. And I am not in the habit of using their virtual options. So I never have. But I think I'd like to try a few because I feel like if I get used to doing virtual yoga, like in my room and set it all up and stuff, then when things shut down again, I'll be in the habit and then I can make that switch and it won't feel like such a loss or it won't feel like such a foreign thing. And I think that's a big part of like, like you called it the COVID winter, which sounds right. terrifying, <laughs> like a dystopian novel. But, um, like the more we can start playing around with that stuff now, um, I think the better positioned we'll be to continue to support those businesses, even when and if things change. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I was going to say when you were talking about uh, noticing the Facebook page, um, following your local businesses, restaurants, retail on social, if you do actively use social, is a great way to find out what they're doing. Because um, websites take a while to update. Like having your inventory on your website is actually expensive and complicated for a small business. So you may not see that your local boutique or coffee shop has like easy online ordering on their website right away, but they may be able to post up to the minute like deals they're offering or um, ways they're staying COVID safe on their social. So I, I try to do that. And then if it becomes too much and too crowded in my feed, I'll unfollow. But I think it's a great way to just stay connected to what what are the needs and the priorities of your local businesses. So I love that. So is there anything that you haven't tried or want to be better about this holiday season? So I have a crazy idea, Sarah. Okay. And this came to me as I was falling asleep last night. I was on a Benadryl. Um, so <laughs> maybe maybe that's why, but I've thought it through and it's sticking. So I, I really want to make, like with my own hands, a lot of gifts this year. And here's the thing. I have had the same crazy idea, like I think last year and maybe the year before that. But this year I'm like, for reals, it's 2020. 
why not? Right. Like you can do it. Like we got to do it. So, well, I, I might really have nothing else to do depending on what ends up happening in the next couple of months. I'm going to be at home a lot. So it's not shopping per se, but you need the materials. And honestly, you know, stepping into the maker world yourself, not just as a purchaser, but as a maker of things opens up a whole new category of small shops yeah, and small like purveyors to purchase from. So like as an example, when I was learning new embroidery stitches, I used to lean heavily on YouTube for instruction. And a lot of those YouTube personalities and instructors, they sell supplies, they have patterns, they have their own affiliate deals. And sometimes I felt like I was just taking and not really giving back. And I'd like to really take the extra steps to click through their sites, um, buy their patterns, buy whatever it is that they're, that they're offering or whatever it is that's helping them make money and not just giving me free content. So that's one idea. That's a great idea. Um, and then I think this year, I know you're going to get into Etsy in the second half and I might mention a couple purchases I've made, but I probably will buy some vintage stuff on Etsy for my holiday table this year. Um, I was laughing that 99% of the Etsy shopping I've done has been vintage because I'm so bad at buying new stuff on on Etsy, but it really is a great place. Like if people aren't doing like dusty crowded antique malls right now, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's not as much of a thing as usual. Right. Um, it's a great place to go and have like a really clear picture of what you're buying and to be able to make those purchases. So, um, yeah, those are two ways I see myself doing that this holiday season. I love that. And I, that makes me want to buy a little more vintage on Etsy as well. Um, so I guess for me, the first thing I thought of in terms of something I could easily be better about, and this gets back to that Enneagram one, like overthinking, over analyzing, I get really weird about using my platform and that's giant air quotes platform to talk about (laughs) brands and businesses for all the reasons I talked about earlier. Like, I don't want it to seem weird. I don't want it to seem like, you know, if you don't buy from this fair trade, then like you're bad, blah, 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 all those hangups. Um, but I think 90% of that is pretty silly and I can get over myself. Um, and the thing is, is (laughs) any sharing you do on social, no matter the size of your audience, even if you have 20 people on Instagram that are just your friends and family, when you tag a small business or a musician or an artist or, um, you know, like any kind of a maker or independent business owner that that's huge for them. They can reshare that in their stories. Um, they can use that in their, in their marketing if they need to. Um, and it makes them feel good. It's like truly, um, most of these people are struggling right now, not raking in, you know, big bucks during COVID winter. So I can be better about using my quote unquote influence, which is really just like, I'm just a mom buying stuff on Etsy or from my local shop or a coffee shop. And I can be much better about just celebrating those small businesses with a quick little Instagram story and tagging them. I know how to do that. I have the platform and the reasons I don't are really dumb. So that was just like the first thing that came to me as something I can very quickly be, um, be good at. And if you're not, if you're not someone who posts a lot on social, maybe that's not the way that you help. But for me, that would be easy. Let me dig into that Enneagramness yeah. just for a second again. So I want to make sure I understand this reasoning. So is your hang up that it doesn't seem fair because then you wouldn't also be doing it for everybody else? Uh, what's the hang I'm just trying to understand the hang up. I think there's a few. <laughs> One is that I like my social posts to be well done and well curated. And sometimes I stop short because it can't be like the perfect photo or the perfect oh. tag or the perfect clever caption. So sometimes I think, oh, I'll do this later when I have more time to make it really well done. That's the, that's the part of the one that's the perfectionist or the, you know, the part that 
wants to do things the quote unquote right way. That would be one way. Another thing would be maybe on a whim, I post about some new brand I discovered and lo and behold, they're not actually like as socially responsible as I thought they were, or there could be a better brand that I haven't heard of. Or here's another one. Everyone already knows this already, Sarah. Like you're just discovering that you can support (laughs) independent artists on Minted. Like how cute. We all know that already. So there's like, there's a million, there's a million hangups. Got it. Okay. Um, but the truth is if you tag a small business or an artist on social, they will appreciate it. And that's an easy, easy thing. Um, one final practical tip, um, that I think I can implement this holiday season is to think about the museums and the zoos and the tourist attractions in your area. And we, we both live in touristy areas, Megan. Um, those places are going to be really hurting for a while. Many of them are nonprofits. Um, many of them require crowds and travel, two of the things that are going to be last to come back. Um, but often they have great gift shops, like art museum gift shops and zoo gift shops are often really like they have really nice stuff. Um, so checking into your local museums and zoos and play places and to see if they are selling their retail stuff. Um, they might even have sales or deals. They might have curbside pickups. So we were downtown last night and I noticed that the art museum gift shop had its doors open and I was like, oh, that stuff looks so pretty. What is it? And it was the art museum gift shop. So I think it would be pretty easy for me to call the zoo, call the art museum, call the children's museum and just see what their shopping is this holiday season. And since those places are really going to be hurting for regular customers, I think that could be both local, but also um, for the particularly hurting organizations um, this winter. That's a really good idea. I love that. And and while you're at it, you can see what virtual options they may have or offerings they may be, you know, I know a lot of places that aren't able to have any in-person business or any in-person anything right now um, have gotten like uh, museums and zoos and cultural organizations and arts organizations are getting really creative with the way that they do stuff online. And and often that's donation based or free, mm-hmm. but it's, um, it's something you might be able to support in some way. And I like yeah. that idea. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so this is going to be fun. We're going to talk through some actual purchases. Obviously, any links and photos we'll put in the show notes. And um, so go go look there so you can follow along. Megan, you have some vintage purchases to talk about. Those are a little harder to link to because they're one of a kind, but I am so interested and curious in this. So maybe just at a high level, do you want to talk about some of the vintage purchases you've made recently? Yeah. Well, what I love about shopping for vintage is that sometimes there's like a thing in my head that I know that I want and I cannot find it anywhere. And often I actually have figured out that that's because I saw it like in from my past or like on an episode of Mad Men or something. So I know it's out there, but it, it truly does not exist in any, um, few, like in any current line of anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, examples of that would be like, I love vintage glassware. I love the patterns on it. Um, I love vintage tablecloths and like tea towels and other linens like that. And often you can find something similar yeah. in today's patterns, but they're just not, the colors aren't quite the same or whatever. So, um, I've had really good luck, uh, Glasses can be hard to find. Um, they do break. <laughs> Families are hard on them. So those are hard to find, like going back any earlier than like the 50s. But you can sometimes on Etsy. And so I will go on to Etsy. And just in the last year, I bought um, a really cool vintage 1940s tea towel, which is actually on my bedside table. It's like bright green, blue, red, and yellow stripes on white, which looks really cool next to my bed. I got a, um, I think it was called like Summer's Bounty. Uh, tablecloth and it's all like strawberries and red flowers and you know it's got like mm-hmm. the strawberry in the middle and then like the clusters of strawberries and leaves all around the outside I think that was 40s or 50s I got like a set of um anchor hawking blue like cobalt blue uh bowls which aren't that old they probably are early 80s but they totally match these plates I already had with like these blue splotches on them and I really needed bowls and then I got a set of jelly jar glasses with the coral flowers and like the, the green. I actually probably can find a picture of that one and put it in because I just love them so much. But again, these are things where like you don't you can't go on exactly. And I'm sure it's like this with the other kinds of purchases, too. But you can't go on thinking I want exactly this thing because you might find like a glass pattern that you really love, but you can only find four glasses. Right. And so then you have to decide, am I cool with mixing and matching do I really want eight glasses? Can I find one that looks pretty similar and then just have them sort of coordinate but not match? Like you kind of have to make a call. And sometimes, you know, some of the flowers are rubbed off and is that okay? And they might say, don't put them in the dishwasher. And you have to be okay with like, if you do put them in the dishwasher, they will probably fade faster mm-hmm. and you have to be okay with that or not. So it is a little bit more complicated, but I just find it really fun. And Etsy makes it pretty easy. Like you can, there's a vintage section. Yep. But you can also just go in the search for anything and put in like 
40s linens and see what comes up. Or And sometimes the, the seller isn't 100% sure what era it's from. So they'll say 40s or 50s, or they'll kind of guess at the brand. Um, and that's another good way to do it. If you know some manufacturers from whatever era you're looking at, you can figure out some brand names. Um, like if you know you like Pyrex, you can put vintage Pyrex and see what comes up. And so it's it's more of an adventure. Like you're, it's not a direct route to anything. It's it's more like kind of like antiquing in real life. Yeah. Only you're sitting on your bed and you're just looking at photos and kind of making that decision that way. And I've never tried to haggle. I don't know if that's a thing. Like I don't look at it quite the same way as I would antique shop in person. It's more like I have a specific thing that I want and I haven't found it in any stores or I'm not going to stores. So I'm going to try to find it on Etsy. And a lot of people do that, like that they have shops and for a lot of people, it's a real source of revenue. So mm-hmm. it does feel good, like supporting a small business. Yeah, I love that. And I was going to say that um, search terms on Etsy, it take a little practice, but like what you were saying, if you're not quite sure what you're looking, looking for and you type in 40s, 1940s linens, when the search results pop up, you'll probably see the sellers using specific keywords that you can then use those to search for your next thing. Um, and that happens a lot. Like, I, I'm yep. not sure how to describe the thing I'm looking for. But once I try once and I find something, I'm like, oh, that's what it's called. Maybe I don't even know exactly what it's called. Um, actually, my first item kind of fell into that that category. So, yeah, that's great. And Etsy is a very pleasant website to navigate. It is. And don't you find, Sarah, too, that I know this is true in vintage, but I'm sure it's also true not in vintage with makers and stuff, is once you find a seller who has something you like, it's very likely they're going to have a lot of stuff you like. So -hmm. sometimes you can just like, you know, like you can cut down the time shopping just by going to their store and seeing um, and seeing what else they, they have to offer. Absolutely. So do you want to see what I've bought? I do. Okay. Um, so this first item, this first item, doesn't that sound like I'm on the price of right, prices right or something um, or an auction? So this first item is called a handcrafted leather valet tray or a valet tray. Which would you say? <laughs> I think I would say valet because in Downton Abbey, yes. someone who kept all your stuff for you would be yeah. your valet. And that would yes. be what this is, right? I think so. Yeah, it's spelled the same as the people who park your car. Um, but a valet tray is basically a, a dude-friendly place to drop your stuff. And that is exactly what I needed when I was shopping for Brian's birthday. He's very neat. Um, he's very orderly with his personal items. And so he'll always have a little stack of like wallet, coins, keys. And it's always like very, he's very tidy. That's all I could say about that, especially <laughs> with small personal effects. But the way our bedroom is set up here. I think before he had a little dish or something in his closet, but our closets are different here. And he puts his stuff on top of his dresser and there's nothing else on there, which is like kind of how he likes it. There's no stacks of clothes or whatever, like on mine. But I thought, well, he could use a little, a little dish or a tray or something that looks nice just to put his wallet and his coins and his whatever else. Um, and so that was an example of, I searched, but I didn't know it was called a valet tray or a valet tray. So I, I forget what search terms I put in, but pretty soon I realized, oh, this is what it's called. And then I searched for that. And the one that I found actually got him two, one for his nightstand and one for his dresser. And it's just from a small leather maker. The Etsy shop is called The Path Less Traveled. And they're very simple. You can see the photo, um, but really nice quality. And they kind of um, they come up and snap in the corners. So it sort of takes a piece of leather and turns it into kind of a square manly tray, if you will. I 
love this, by the way. And it reminds me that, you know, those little things that look like little people sort of that stick, sit next to your bed and a man would hang like his suit jacket on it. And then you would put your like his, his change or whatever in the little tray. Those are, I believe, also called ballots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a little, a little, like a little man there to hold your stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, I think this could make a great gift um, and was very affordable that I just got the two sizes and yeah. So again, that'll be linked up, but it was called a handcrafted leather valet tray um, by the path less traveled. Um, Okay. So you ready for my next one? It is a hanging planter basket. Do you feel like hanging plants a la 70s and 80s are back everywhere you everywhere you look, Megan? Um, they are. Unfortunately, I learned the hard way that my house does not have like any pre-drilled in hanging hooks in the ceiling, like anywhere in my house. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to hang any of those myself. I yeah. Mean, come on. So I'm very intrigued by this. Okay. Well, we have also learned a little bit about hanging plants. It is trickier because they're heavy. When there's like dirt and water in there, they're heavier than than you think. Um, this particular, so this is a hanging planter basket. And I put a picture in there, but Megan, if you click the link and if listeners click the link, you can see it up close. It's really like a woven rope basket of a really natural fiber that's really pretty. And this Etsy shell- seller is called Little Love Home. And she actually makes a lot of planters that don't hang. So you wouldn't have to get a hanging one. I bought this for my sister for her birthday, and then I actually bought one for myself. And it has a really pretty wooden loop or wooden um, ring at the top that you can use for the hanging. Um, And in the picture, it's actually shown hanging from like the end of like a storage hanging bar, like at the, um, I don't know what that would be, like open open shelving type of situation. So um, yeah, and it's really pretty and they have different sizes. And I just thought that could make a really nice gift. I have mine hanging in my laundry room. Um, I can maybe share a picture of my actual one. And I actually put a fake plant in it because I was like, this small space is not going to get quite enough light. And I had a really pretty little fake plant. So I just popped it in there. So I could swap it out for real later on. But yeah, so that is a little hanging planter basket. And they also have non-hanging ones. Is yours then hanging like in the picture, it's showing it kind of like hanging on a rod. Yeah. Um, Is that like, what are you, what is yours hanging on? Mine is a hook that Brian put in the ceiling. Um, but it was easier because I chose the fake plant. It's lighter. Allegra Uh, got some hanging, some macrame plant hangers for her bedroom. And we did have to have a handyman do the hooks because the first time Brian tried, it didn't work. And he's pretty handy. Um, But the the hooks weren't, they weren't sturdy enough because when you add dirt and water, they have to be able to support a fair amount of weight. It's not super hard to screw in a little tiny hook. We've done it um, for other things before, but I think if you're getting into where it needs to support quite a bit of weight, then you want to make sure it's going into the right place and that it's a sturdy enough hook and it has reinforcements and stuff. So you could have a handyman do it. Brian did the one for me in the laundry room. So I'll put a picture up. Yeah. Um, okay. This next one, I just want everyone to buy cause I love this tradition and I love this product and I have no relationship to the seller. And in fact, she's not even on social cause I have tried to tag her before. Um, but This is another product I didn't know what search terms to use. But when I was a kid, we had a mug with a little ceramic bunny in the bottom. And it was a surprise. Like you could pour cocoa or milk. And as you drank it, when you got to the bottom, there was like a little friend down there, like an actual 3D. You know, it's not not like a picture or a painting of a bunny, but an actual clay bunny sitting in the bottom of your mug. Well, apparently it's called a surprise mug. 
And um, I found a seller on Etsy who makes these. So she hand makes the ceramic mugs and some of them are shaped like coffee mugs, some like tea mugs. So even the individual mugs are very individualized and she hand paints them. And in the bottom of each mug is a little ceramic animal and they are the most adorable. I have given them, I gave them to my nieces who are only one and three. And of course they only use them like while supervised, but like it basically could be like a special mug for any kid. Um, and, and you can, it, it could be very personalized because she, in fact, she probably will do custom. I'm sure she would, but I've seen every animal. There's turtles and mice and owls. Allegra has an owl. Violet has a kitty and Reed has a penguin. Um, and they are the cutest. So I will continue to buy these for gifts for kids in my life. I am looking at her shop right now. These are so dang cute. And I was just thinking, I love the idea this year of giving a lot of gifts that are like all the kids get one of the same thing. Yes. Like we were talking about blankets last week or the week before. And yeah. And I was just thinking, I always, we always do something on New Year's or Christmas Eve. Like we always open at least one gift on Christmas Eve and then have a snack and play a game or something. And wouldn't it be fun to give each of the kids one of these and then like, but give them to them with like cocoa in it. So they didn't know. And then make some popcorn or something. Yeah. An actual surprise. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And they are, they're just the cutest. The one I will link to has a little Labrador puppy, but you can just browse through them. And I love that the mugs themselves are also, she hand makes them. So some are shaped very much like a tea mug and others like a coffee mug. Some are bigger than others. Um, and her name is Marie Claude Roche and she's French Canadian. Um, but I have ordered from her two or three times now and it's been, it's been totally worth it. So, the, um, I really think she's a quite small seller. Like she's not on social. I just found her cause I needed to find the, what is the thing called when there's an animal sitting at the bottom of your cocoa mug? And then I, <laughs> I better her. hurry up and buy the ones I want before this episode goes live. <laughs> Seriously. Cause she, yeah, I think it's just her. So we'll clean her yeah. out. Um, she is. And, and if it's not her, just search surprise mug, um, ceramic animal in your coffee mug type of thing. And okay. I'm sure something will come up. So, all right. Um, so this next one I got a while ago for Violet's room, but I think could make a great gift. And it is, um, a canopy, uh, from a Etsy shop called Tucson teepee. So I think they make, you know how you see a lot of like, uh, make believe tents and teepees for play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays. And so this is an Etsy shop version, but we have it hung over Violet's bed. In the picture, you they you show it hanging from the ceiling and almost being used like a cozy fort or cozy reading nook. Mm. But for Violet, it's over the head of her bed and she loves it. It just makes her bed special. She'll go in there and kind of draw the draw the drapes around her, draw the canopy around her and like create a little hiding place when she's mad or needs time away. So um, and it's held up really well. I want to say we've had it for a year and a half or two years and she kind of pulls on the little tassels and she's you know, she's a kid. And it's held up really, really well. So it's called a pom-pom play canopy. Yeah. What kid doesn't want to basically go into their bed and then turn oh, it into a fort or a fortress or, you know, like a tent? Like it just, it, it, it just checks off so many little kid boxes. Yes. I kind of want one. Yes. And if you combine it with some twinkle lights, we had those in her old room. We haven't set them up in this room. It just is magical. Um, and they come in cute colors and on their Etsy shop, you can see the different design ideas. Like they have them in some cases behind a crib, not where the baby could pull on it or reach it, but almost like just creating like, um, like a tableau look behind a baby's crib, um, or different things you can do with them. So yeah, that was a good, a good purchase. Um, so I have just a couple from minted, but minted is another great source for independent artists who 
list their stuff on the minted marketplace. Um, if you're an artist listening, I would be curious, like, I don't, I do know much about how that works, Megan, or how much the, if the artists are well compensated, I'm, I'm confessing here that I don't know how the model works. I don't know, but I guess the impression I got is that they are pretty well compensated because it's pretty, um, I think it's pretty competitive. Like, I, think I, I don't so too. think, yeah, you don't, I don't think you. I think you are invited or whatever, or they they have some way of curating that. So, yeah. but I would love to hear if, if it is as good as it sounds. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And it's well curated, um, beautifully curated collection. So um, I think what I'll do is just generally talk about their fabric and textiles and I'll just lump these two together. Um, but I have actually purchased this weekender tote bag, which is a fabric tote bag and you can personalize it and it's very luxurious feeling. Um, it's just really well-made. Um, and the, artisan part has mostly to do with the fabric. So these are like painted fabrics, really beautiful. Um, and then I've also bought cloth napkins, which they have in really pretty sets where the, all the napkins are slightly different, but they kind of go together. And then, oh my gosh, they have cocktail napkins for the holidays now. And I don't think they had those last time I shopped and I need them. The, the cocktail napkins are so cute. They're just like a square of fabric each and they're like painted and adorable. So all of the fabric gifts on minted I have personally purchased have been great quality okay I love these prints um and I love how many there are yeah so I have to ask you Sarah and this is one thing that I've had a really hard time because I have tried to buy um napkins on online I actually tried to buy some on Etsy and then the girl texted me like a week after I ordered and said she was so behind she was going to cancel my order because she couldn't keep up with it and then I was like oh man um It truly was. I was like, oh man, but I really love, I love dining room linens and dining linens and these like rosy glow would be so perfect with my aesthetic, that collection. Mm -hmm. Um, but are they soft and like, do they feel good and are they absorbent? That's one thing I, I never feel like I get the texture, right? Well, okay. So I have personally felt the tote bag, the, the, um, weekender tote bag. And I was so impressed with the quality. I've given that as a gift twice, but it came to me first and then I shipped it. So I felt it. The napkins I bought as a gift for my sister, and I believe I had them sent straight to her when they got their new oh, house. So I have okay. not personally felt the napkins, but I'm, I'm, I just feel like minted quality stuff is so good. Well, and, and sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's enough that they just look pretty sitting on your table. Um, but like sometimes there's, you're truly just, they feel like plasticky or something on the outside right. and they don't feel like something you'd want to wipe your mouth with. Um, so I just. I just am always curious. We'll yes, have to ask I, your sister. I cannot. I'll vouch. ask her privately. So if she hates them, she can tell me honestly. <laughs> I hate those napkins. I, but don't uh, tell Sarah. No. Okay. So my last minted thing is a an art print, which may be more what people think of minted. I guess I think of holiday cards and, and stationery, and then I think of art. And I, I wouldn't have thought of the fabric, but um, I have... I own one of these prints that you're looking at, Megan, that listeners can look at in our show notes. And I have gifted the other one. And they're both by an artist named Kate on A-H-N. And I've looked her up on Instagram. And that's another thing that's nice about Minted. You can find them on Minted, but then you could go follow or purchase from them directly or see what else they do out in the art world. Okay, maybe you can describe these, Megan. We're both looking at them in our show outline, but I'm too close to it. I've owned one for a couple of years and I've gifted one. You're seeing them for the first time. So maybe yeah. you can describe them. Well, I love them. So they they look like charcoal or something. It's hard for me to tell in the photo, but they have that that sort of sensibility about them. Um, and it's a woman in profile holding a holding a small child, a baby. The one on the left is a little baby, mm-hmm. like a you know, a month old baby. And then the one on the 
right is a, a toddler. The one on the right looks just like you. I know um, that's the one I have. I love yeah, it. Yeah. And so she's in profile, just holding a baby the way one does. And the baby's kind of slumped. It looks like it could be you or anybody though. That's kind of the cool thing. Like I bet this is the sort of thing where almost anyone could go through and find someone in the collection that kind of looks a little like them. Yeah. And they're just really pretty. And I can't think of um, what it's called when the edges are kind of blurred out like that. Um, it's like gradient almost, but yeah. all gray. And I want to say that it's actually watercolor, but just in grayscale. So just using blacks oh, okay. and grays. Um, but it has that. It's just abstract enough. It's not so abstract that people say, what is that? Like the Rorschach, like, what do you right. see in this image? It's to me, it's explicit enough or concrete enough to see that it's mother and child and mother and baby, but with a very soft, abstract feel that, like you said, could be anybody. Um, and so I have the one where it looks like she's holding a older toddler and her hair's up in a high bun. And then I got my sister, the one with the little baby. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like every mom would want to buy one of these for themselves. Yeah. It's not even a gift I at love this it. point. Yeah. So just get it for you. Gift it to yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, hopefully that gets some creative wheels turning, um, of things maybe that people could be, have their eye on either online, um, small businesses or local small businesses. And we would also just love to hear if you have small businesses or Etsy shops or minted artists that you love and are passionate about, like leave a comment on the show notes or, you know, on the Instagram post for this episode, we would love to just spread, spread knowledge and love of other independent creators because I think we all want to support them this holiday season. We do. And definitely check back with us later this week because we will be back with another More Than Mom episode on Sunday and we'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.